Welcome to the podcast. This is a weekly podcast by Denver Transplants. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. And this is You Aren't From Here. Hey guys. Howdy. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> Another one. Another one. Uh, pretty wild week. Um, the whole last week, GameStop stock situation was stonks. just... Stonks. <laughs> was just like absolute mayhem. I like... It was hard for me to pay attention to work when you have people attacking Robin Hood and people going after like hedge funds. Oh dude. Well, and I, I saw like, I can't remember where I saw it. It may have been on Instagram or something, but it was like every Wednesday in January, something crazy happened. Like the storming of the Capitol was a Wednesday. The uh, Biden being sworn in Wednesday, the impeachment Wednesday, GameStop Wednesday. <laughs> so it's like, it's just like, I think we can all, you know, rest assured that January is completed and who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. But, you know, it's the first Wednesday outside of January. So if we've learned anything in 2021 Wednesdays, it's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, so. no, run away from Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> skip Wednesdays. And the interesting part about Robinhood is they actually do kind of impact Denver. They have an office over on Platt Street. Um, no, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, you know, like the one with the – it's right across from um, – my brother's bar. They got a lease there. It's I don't know if they've fully moved in, but it does kind of affect Denver a little bit by there's probably some people have friends that work there. So nice. They got probably didn't have a fun time last week though. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that rough, rough Wednesday, rough week for them. So, um, so all right, guys. Well, you know, you probably if you're following us on Instagram, probably already know this is not a secret. We typically do not post before our episodes released giving out you know hints around the episode but we were so pumped about this week's episode if you haven't we are um spending time with pete turner this week and we interviewed him and he is the owner and founder of illegal pete's so he is the pete's he's the illegal pete's so and i'm coincidentally eating a illegal pete's burrito right now that's right or pre-episode slash Halfway through it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we're, we're all in this week. So we're, we're pumped. Uh, we think you guys are going to love this episode. It's at, by far one of our favorite, if not our favorite interview we've done so far. So yeah. to stay tuned in, stay, stay with us in this episode. And towards the end, we'll, uh, we'll give you guys the, the full interview. Yeah. So, so, uh, after that, uh, Matt, what did we learn this week? Yeah. So kicking off normal stuff. So, um, we both went, you went to Aspen, I went to Copper, and if you've gone up to the mountains, and again, classic I-70 on our What Did You Learn, we're always around there. When you hit Georgetown, you're probably, you know, when you're going up the mountains, it's on your left, you see this giant frozen lake, and it's Georgetown Lake, right? And really, the spark, the, the, the idea sparked from Andrew, you know, seeing cars on the lake and being like, what in the world's going on over there? Yeah, so, well, and I always feel like, People always ask that question. Like you drive by on a Sunday afternoon, you're tired, you're like in that part where you're almost home, and you kind of look over and you're like, "There's cars going like, they they look like they're blazing through the around the lake." Yeah, yeah, and not only that, but if you're like, they also have a bunch of ice fishing tents and all that stuff. So there's there's a ton of activities going on. So we were like, you know what? Let's figure out and talk a little bit about you know potentially what you can and can't do on the lake, and really help you all understand. If you see cars that seemingly are racing on Georgetown Lake, what is that, right? So let's get to the car piece. So interestingly enough, there is a ice racing club 
called Our Gang Four Wheelers Incorporated. <laughs> um, and really what it is, in 2021, it's only January and February, but it's literally an ice racing club that you can go and race on the ice with yeah. a bunch of random people. So that's what you were probably seeing is when you were seeing, and if you've seen, if you've seen this or haven't yet and you do see it, that's what's going on. Is It's literally a ice racing club where people, you know, pay money and then go that's what they do on their on their weekends so matt what's like the can anybody go yeah so so there are a few restrictions very minor restrictions uh the first is your car has to be four-wheel or all-wheel drive and they do check it right so in this racing league it looks like and i've never done it i'm just reading what they have online there is a a detailed inspection before you can even race because on obviously like with ice in racing, there's a lot more liability and danger that comes with that. Yeah. So you, you have to have a four-wheel or all-wheel drive vehicle. You have to have vehicles that have only four tires on the ice at one time. So you can't have dual-wheeled you know, vehicles. You can't have two wheels stacked next to each other on you know two axles or whatever. So you can't have like eight tires, two next to each other. Um, and the only really other requirement is you have to have a legal driver's license. So if your car passes all of that... Uh, all the inspection and you have a, a legal driver's license, you can technically sign up. It looks like your entry fees, if you want to sign up, is $25 per driver. And then there's a $5 uh, vehicle safety inspection. And you also, you know, depending on what race you sign up for, you may have to do the racing tech inspection, which is actually $10. So there, it, it's really pretty reasonable, but it kind of makes sense, right? Because like you're providing your own car, your own gas, you're not doing anything. You're just basically signing up for them to put the event together. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, I don't know about you, but driving on ice, like <laughs> it reminds me of cars, you know, when Steve McQueen learns how to drift. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. On the, on the <laughs> yeah, the s- sand or whatever, the yeah, dirt. Yeah. He's doing the dirt track. Dirt you, track. You have yeah. to turn your wheels like the opposite way that you. Right. You have to, you have to dr- you turn into them. Yeah. And I. When I watched the car today, I watched him like go spinning around this corner and he did that. And I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would not want I would not think people are bringing like nice four wheel drive cars out there, because if you're racing next to someone and that ice, you're probably going to nail another car. someone. Yeah, well, chances are probably pretty good. Most of the time when you see them, they're going one at a time. So I think it might be more of a time trial type. system. Oh, is it? OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because okay. usually what I thought before we researched it was. You know, they're doing like car commercials for like a Porsche or like a Mercedes or something because like right. you're in the mountains, it's on a lake and you you see those commercials where like Jeep's like, you know, we can handle anything um, and they're driving through the snow and ice. So that's what I always thought it was. Um, but it's pretty cool that there actually are people racing. Well, and it's crazy that like the ice up there. So it's so thick that you can just drive cars on like yeah. that. That's crazy. Like my my fear would be less of running into someone. Or losing control and more of like you just see some guy driving and just disappear in the, <laughs> in, the in the water, you know. But but yeah, so that's that was kind of interesting to to find out so or to learn. So if you guys aren't big skiers or if you are skiers and you just want a, a, a weekend in the mountain, Georgetown's a really cool city. Pretty small, but there's there's you know some stuff that you can do just you know on the way up to up the mountain, and then you can make a whole weekend out of it. Do uh do this, or you can also do ice fishing. And really, what if you see it, and Sonam and I are ice fishers, so you know we're not going to go explain the intricacies of ice uh, fishing to you all, but 
it is interesting when you go up there. I haven't actually seen the racing, but every time I'm up there, there's always tents set up for ice fishing. So oh. if you go up there and you want to go hang out on the lake, there's plenty to do between the, the racing, which is really only January and February. But even past that, there's people out there constantly all day ice fishing. Yeah. So that may be another another way that you can you know go enjoy the city and go be out on the lake. Yeah. So, and I, ice, fishing, ice fishing looks so cold. Well, but dude, that's the thing is like when they put the tents up on the outside, yeah. it's like, it's like glamping. I mean, not like, not really, but it's like you put that up and it protects you from the wind. And I'm assuming obviously you can't see what goes on in there. I'm assuming people are just drinking and hanging out. Like yeah. it's normal fishing, but on ice. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe your cup of tea, maybe you're not, not your cup of tea, but in the winter, kind of cool stuff that you may see uh, when you're going up to the mountain. And that's, those are kind of the two things you'll probably most likely see are ice fishing and if you're lucky, some, some racing things. So. Yeah, yeah. And quite a bit different things. Um, it's just, those aren't typical things. Somebody's like, Oh, so you're a big ice racer. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. That's a kind of a niche, niche, uh, talent or, or hobby, I guess. <laughs> but, but yeah, you never know. Leave it to Colorado though. You had the, everyone's a little, uh, quirky here, That's myself true. included. So it's like, yeah, it's not probably wouldn't even think twice if you're like, yeah, I love ice racing. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Exactly. Sounds good. <laughs> So, so yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of what we learned. Yeah. So, um, let's move past. I'll let you do this one again, Matt. Um, you had a little bit more fun time than I did there. So, uh, Epic Brewing. For where did we go? For right. Where did we go? So, so yeah, so we, um, and I actually didn't go with you, Sweat, but you've been yeah. before. So, we went this last weekend, uh, to Epic Brewing, which is in the Five Points area on Walnut Street. So, um, kind of in the same area as, central market in those kind of that, that kind of area. And so, and I would say most people are going to call that Rhino. Rhino still. Okay. So yeah. So Rhino, yeah. Rhino area. So, uh, but it's on this side of the tracks, right? So that's the distinction. So what, what the reason we were doing this for this segment and not part of our brewery or beer of the week, that kind of thing is Epic's technically out of Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to stick local, give gives the love to kind of our local Colorado, Denver places. So we're not going to actually fill, uh, feature them for beer of the week, but we did want to talk about more or less, less with the beers and more of like the atmosphere, what you can do with COVID, without COVID, all that kind of stuff in our experience. So we went on Saturday and we actually sat outside. So they have indoor and outdoor seating and their outdoor is kind of like this turf area with they have a bunch of heaters and like tall uh tables and stuff and so we got we got beers we didn't actually eat there but the experience and the vibe was pretty fun i mean you're out on that street it's 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 bustling it's pretty you know people are you know all up and down and there i think the wait for inside was like 20 or 30 minutes Mm -hmm. so we ended up just going outside so it was popping but inside looked really cool um, outside was really cool because like it was pretty cold and with all the heaters and the in the you know top tabletops and stuff like it's a pretty cool experience still outside so as far as beers go i mean i thought i thought the beers were pretty good um i ended up having their color it's their ipa and it's something to do with like colorado or something but Mm -hmm. i would say i would say it's your ipas lover ipa um it is pretty good and then um my wife carly and uh like i think she had like some sort of blonde or uh, some lighter beer that she liked. So I would say the the beer in the in the atmosphere. If you're if you're looking for a 
brewery tap room experience. It's definitely bigger. I wouldn't consider it like the smaller ones, like a like a you know Spanglang or like Mockery or one of the ones that are like pretty small. Um, it's definitely a big warehouse feel, and it's definitely you know it, it's definitely a, a bigger brewery than than some of those small local ones. But I would still say it's definitely worth your time going. Uh, give it a shot. Yeah. Pretty reasonable, and the beers were good enough to to warrant a trip for sure. Yeah, in my look at it, I mean Epic Brewing Company. I mean. It is a, at least it's like kind of like a sister city. It's in Salt Lake, so like we got some similarities. Right. Um, right. The interesting part I always find about this one is you're kind of far enough north and enough west to where like people kind of forget about it. So like say you go to Improper and it's right. there's full, and say you go to Fins and it's full. You go to Ratio, like all the main ones you like love and go to more often. I would say for right yep. now. Yep. If you can't get into those, typically I've found that I can go to Epic Brewing Company and get in. Yeah. Yeah, because um, it's two, it's like two blocks south of yeah. Improper City. So exactly. it's like right there. Yeah. But um, it's just like not – like Walnut's not as busy of a street. And it's, yeah. it's just kind of like – it's kind of dark up until you get to it. Right. So it is a great spot if you can't find anywhere in Rhino and you've gone to like your three favorite bars. Like it's a good place to step in and get a beer and – um, you know, it does really feel like you're in the brewery, I would say inside like the tap room, you kind of feel they, I believe. Yeah. They have giant they, tanks giant and all tanks that and everything. So, so I like, do think they brew here, but yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just based out of Salt Lake City. That's a good point. You know, and it even smells, you know, that brewery smell yeah. with like the hops and the barley and malt and all that. It, you get that same ex- brewery experience here because mm-hmm. they truly are brewing there for sure. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I thought the Blom was pretty good. I think that was I believe that I did the same one as those. Um, okay. So. Okay. Overall, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah. 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 What? What? I mean, rating wise, what do you? What do you think? I think like you know, out of going just to as like a bar scene, for me, it's always kind of my second go to, like after everything's closed, as I said. Yeah. So, I would think I'd put it below my main favorites. So I'd probably put it at like a seven point Okay. Uh, my cool place, great spot. It's just. It's not going to be my first go-to, like, super social. It's going to be more like, I can't get anywhere else. I'm going to go here. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to go 7-1. I, I do think it was good. It, it's your it's your kind of classic brewery experience. Like, for me, uh, what I was saying with, like, uh, you, know, you know how like, my ratings with other things with, like, creativity goes a long way or uniqueness goes a long way in my rating scale. Yeah. There's nothing I, that I can point my finger, put my finger on that is necessarily like unique or like interesting about Epic Brewery. It's a very cool brewery experience, but it's the quintessential what you'd expect, right? So it's not like your smaller ones, like the ones I mentioned that have like the quirky small like vibe where it's like you're talking to the brewmaster because he's in the back brewing it and then you're just drinking. Like it's, it's not anything like that. So, Mm -hmm. so I think seven one, I think that's, it's, it's definitely worth going to, but I, I agree with you. Um, there are cooler spots, but if, if other spots are booked or you're just around Epic, it's definitely worth going and trying. Yeah. So I think I think that's kind of our our, our ratings there. And sure. on the what did we try? So no, since, where did we? Yeah, what, yeah, did, what we did we try? Since yeah. we're doing illegal Pete's, we're going to count that as our what did you try? Even though it was our what did you try last week, so you kind of already know what we would say anyways, right? So yeah. we're going to skip that section. Our interview with uh, Pete Turner will we'll take the place of that. But Sweat, yeah. now, uh, now on to our personal favorite beer part of this. Yeah, beer <laughs> of the week. I would also say on the 
What do we try? Um, I like it so much that I'm also again eating it tonight on the show. And do so. that thing, and we'll actually you'll, you you saw a picture of the burrito that he he was eating right now on our Instagram post. Uh, if you if you watched or saw that this morning, so this and if you see it, things massive. It's yeah. the biggest burrito I've ever seen. Yeah, and I I mean I take down a lot of big burritos. This one's definitely I think on the bigger side. That I mean, thing, it's T H I C C. Honestly, yeah. like so. I mean, I'd probably say that thing's at least two pounds. Yeah, it's huge. It's the biggest <laughs> burrito over Chipotle anything I've ever seen. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, check out the Instagram. You'll you'll get a um, perspective for what we're talking about. Uh, but continuing on the Colorado Native beer of the week. This week we're gonna try their Amber. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And obviously we talked about last week, 100% all Colorado ingredients. Um, 5.5% alcohol by volume. Okay. And our little message here says, here's a beer for any occasion, Colorado occasion. Seasonable, yet flavorful. Crisp, malty sweetness. Balanced hoppiness. You'll like it, possibly love it, maybe even smuggle it. Okay. Wow, that's still a lot of confidence after last week's beer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, I let's, that's, that's, uh, we'll, Put your money where your mouth is here. Call out a native. So, okay. So amber and I'm amber lager. I'm not a big amber guy, anyways. But so this will be interesting to see. That's pretty. It's uh, pretty aggressive on the lager for sure. Oh, 100%. percent. Um, very slight, very slight amber. Yeah. Like I was when I hear amber, I'm thinking like heavy malt or like a lot more malts because that's obviously what, what makes it an amber. And again, what I would say is I completely agree with you. I would say this is one where if you like our Mexican lager, you kind of have the blend, right? The craft versus like the quintessential Mexican lager. Uh-huh. And we had that ratio. This is like lager to amber, much more heavy on, I bet say it's 75% lager, 25% amber. Yeah. So if you're a really, if you love ambers because you love that maltiness, this is probably one that you wouldn't want to avoid. And my question is, I mean, as we're moving forward in these beers, you know, it obviously is Molson Coors subsidiary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's our look at it is kind of like their fight back towards craft breweries. Right. Um, Outside you, of just owning craft breweries in general. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do you think they're trying to go like over by being like an overly craft beer, like extra hoppy, like very, very aggressive to like being a craft brewery? Just so that, like, they could compete with it? I mean, I, I would say 100% on the Mexican lager. But, dude, what's interesting about this is I don't think this is – I think this is less less crafty. Okay. Because what I would – for an amber, like, in that, that scenario, I would have expected this to be, like, overly amber mm-hmm. – amberfied, I guess you could call it. Um, but this one – this one's, like, lager, heavy lager, which I wouldn't consider – lager and craft are kind of like an, it's like an oxymoron, right? Cause like lager is very like your standard, like Coors Light, right? True. And so this is a lot more lager with a, a little bit of amber. So this is like way less on the a craft scale, in my opinion, what I would expect. So, gotcha. but I do think you're right. Like in the Mexican lager, it's almost like if you want to hit that, that segment of the market and really nail the people that love the craft stuff, you're going to go over craft, exactly. overly craft. And that's what happened with the Mexican lager. Yeah. Um, this one, I actually, I will say, I'm not a malty guy. I don't like malt. And uh-huh. so this being light on the malt side, I actually like it more than what? I probably otherwise would with their standard amber. Yeah. What would you rate it? I mean, dude, I like it. I, I think um, 
I think it's with 5.5% alcohol. If, uh, if you're looking for a heavy amber, that's heavy on the amber flavor with malt, don't go for this one. But if you like ambers, but you're not wanting the heaviness of like in the intensity of malts, you're wanting something lighter. This is, I would think your perfect beer. Um, I'm going to go, I'll probably go seven, one. I actually like it. And I, and I don't, and this is more like, it's definitely not my favorite beer and I probably wouldn't go seeking it, but I can appreciate the uniqueness for the, of this beer with me is it's a lighter amber. It's mm-hmm. the amber lager. Like that's a, a, a kind of an interesting combo that I can appreciate. So I'm going to give it a little bit of creativity points in the sense that it's not what you would come to expect for your typical amber in my okay. opinion. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'll just be honest here. I haven't tried many ambers, mm-hmm. so I don't even, I, everything you're speaking right now is just like you speak in French. I mean, and I would imagine for a lot of people on the pod, Probably speaking French. Yeah. Oui, oui, my little croissant. <laughs> just because I, I just don't know my beers that well uh, or like the different flavors and where it comes from. I just know what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. Um, I would probably say 6.7. Okay. Um, it's it's not bad. It's I'll, better than the Mexican longer. Yeah, yeah, it's way better than Mexican longer. <laughs> we're, we're on the rise. Yeah, on we're, we're on Colorado, the up and up. Colorado native. Um, but I, I mean, I like it. I wouldn't probably buy it but if i'm at a party and someone gives me one i'm not gonna like complain or be like disappointed yeah like i'll drink it yeah um, i think this is i don't know, maybe early spring kind of beer for me like where you're coming like we're starting yep. to get towards like yep really like you're coming out of like drinking a little bit you know graham the cracker heavy, porter, yeah exactly yep those kind of beers you kind of feel good it's a little cold outside brisk morning yeah mid-afternoon it's still kind of cold i'd, I'd take one of these dude completely agree Completely agree. Okay. Well, dude, that's, I mean, progress, excuse me, uh, but progress. (laughs) Um, I mean there, you couldn't really go, you had to go up from, from last week, I would say. So yeah. I mean, um, last week was the worst beer we've tried. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So So, we're looking up. (laughs) Yeah. We're on the up and up. So, all right guys. Well, um, so that's kind of the, the, you know, what you guys have come to know and love. So like we said, coming up here, uh, we've got Pete Turner, uh, owner and founder of illegal Pete's. So sit back, relax. We'll, uh, you know, I think we'll, you guys will really love this. And hopefully if you've never been to illegal Pete's after this, you'll be running there shortly. Like I did, uh, a couple weeks ago. So, um, hope you guys enjoy it. And obviously, you know, let us know what you guys think. Slide into the DMS, shoot us some comments on Instagram. We're open to all of it. So, yeah. And, uh, last but not least, uh, go chiefs. Go chiefs. Yeah. This is big weekend this weekend. So, um, sorry that uh, you had to put the plug in. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Denver fan, I'm sorry, but uh, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs, baby. All right, guys. Well, enjoy your week. Enjoy the episode, and we'll see you all next week. Love you guys. Peace. All right, guys. Uh, we have illegal Pete himself, Pete Turner. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you uh, for having me. So, so Pete. Let's let's start with a let's start with a uh, kind of a softball here, just to get everyone kind of kind of started. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, kind of pre illegal illegal Pete's, and then your current role at the restaurant. All right, so yeah, I born and raised in uh, Littleton, Colorado. Um, went to school at CU Boulder. I graduated in '93 and started and opened Pete's. Uh, August 15th of 95 uh, on the hill in Boulder, Colorado. And 
in 600 square feet. Um, and so last August 15th was 25 years. So just been building that brand, building the brand, um, building the location count, um, just evolving the restaurant, bigger size, adding the bar with our second location, adding, you know, just growing the business as its president for almost our 26th year. Um, we're in our 26th year. So. And what do you, what do you do currently? I know you were, you know, you founded Illegal Pete's and I know your role at the beginning, probably, you know, getting, rolling your sleeves up, getting dirty, or is that still your role 26 years Uh, later or? Not as much, you know, with the rolling sleeves up and get my hands dirty as I would like it to be. And in fact, it will be post COVID, right? Cause we're, um, 25th anniversary was last year. Obviously everybody had bigger plans uh, for last year. But August 15th, we had a ton of stuff going on. But one of one of the initiatives I was doing was uh, just kind of back to the basics and kind of rethinking all of our um, just training, like front, you know, customer walking front door to the tortilla state, you know, just rethinking everything and getting in and rebuilding and just trying to strip it all back and rethink, put ourselves back to like the spirit and everything of where we were, you know, 25 years ago and, and really and I wanted to and will be doing getting my hands dirty as it were um, this summer, I would imagine, as things kind of get a little, get a little bit back to normal. But, um, you know, this year has been a lot of just, you know, obviously the, the overused word, but it's important, the pivot, right? Um, and just rethinking, you know, that the immediate thrust to digital everything which we'd done sort of, but had been a little hesitant to kind of dive all the way into, but have been forced to. So I think I've, you know, I've definitely been uh, really working a lot on that and on just um, really just kind of saving the business, to be honest, like, which is also another strange thing that 25 years in, it felt like, you know, like year one where, holy shit, you know, this may fail, right? Like any new business, you know, and, you know, we're going to be okay, but man, it's been challenging, right? And um, so it, it, that's been, you know, I've been doing a lot of things that feel very entrepreneurial, like, holy shit, let's put out these fires and let's just, you know, figure out what we can to fight another day in a really strange way while, you know, trying to, and I'm a guy that I've taken, I'm normally very risk tolerant, but, um, yeah, have taken the whole COVID thing very seriously when it has to do with, you know, first of all, when it, it was very unknown, like even if like you, there's risk that someone could get really sick, I just took that too serious, you know, employing 430 people, it just, it really hit me hard. So that's been really challenging too, honestly, just like yeah, getting through that. So this last year, in a weird way, I have been extremely involved in a totally different way, but it felt, it felt very much like the early days where I had to like, figure it all out, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Taking a step back really quick. um, Obviously Denver has been known for burritos and like, you know, Chipotle came out of here, Qdoba, obviously illegal Pete's. Um, What made you come up with the concept of illegal Pete's and, you know, what was like kind of that first year and like getting up and started? Well, so I went to school really, I mean, the whole, the, Genesis ideas. Well, and I'd worked in restaurants. My mom was involved in a restaurant when I was growing up. So I'd worked in restaurants. I was an English major at CU, but um, so I wasn't a business major, but it was kind of by default. I went to school because 
I just went to school, right? Like I wasn't, oh shit, I'm gonna go do this or that or whatever, you know? So, so, but I always thought that I would wanna do my own business and went to school with a, a group of guys from the Bay Area, a lot of like both coasts at CU, right? And so I'd go out to visit um, my friends in the Bay Area, they're Mill, Mill Valley in, you know, kind of, um, you know, across the bridge, right? But still San Francisco, that whole um, style of food, which we call mission style Mexican and yeah. I think it's become called Mission Style Mexican, but I would go out and visit and be like, holy shit, I would eat this every day. So that's kind of where I had the idea. And there was actually a good friend of mine, Peter Vaughn, um, that I was going to open the store with um, originally. And he ended up doing other things, but that was kind of the genesis. And then, you know, um, Shea Jose had opened up um, and Chipotle, Qdoba had opened up. And um, so you know, and I'd been talking about this concept for a good number, probably three years, um, and then graduated. And then my dad, who's uh, terminally ill with cancer, but he was willing to co-sign alone at the time, which I thought was all the money in the world. But, right. you know, he co-signed alone, which when I look back, it's like, whoa. I mean, I was freaking out um, and did it, man. 600 square feet on the hill, um, six, eight seats maybe. And, um, you know, just thought that, if we could provide the type of food, you know, that was really portable, uh, you know, like a, like a good amount of food, good value, good flavors. And, you know, something that I would eat as a student two, three times a week, mm -hmm. I was like, man, this can't lose. Plus if you also had fun with it, right. Like, you know, music bumping and, and, you know, just try to have a, you know, a really good time and, and, you know, and we luckily, I mean, location, 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 that first location was on, you know, right half a block on the hill. And I actually chose that location. We bought out that lease, which, um, you know, again, was part of that loan and, and seemed like all the money in the world at the time, but I knew exactly where I wanted to be. And there was an opportunity there. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of why I just thought, and obviously it's, it's taken off all the different companies and, and, um, that style of food and fast casual in general, but we, you know, I've, it's been important to me to, to keep trying to evolve it and grow it. And, uh, you know, um, adding, you know, different menu items, but certainly adding the bar, right. And, and, and growing our service model to be or restaurant model, to be a place where we wanted people to kind of hang out less than turn and burn. Right. Like we, we kind of, we right out the bat kind of wanted people we took the opposite approach for a lot of businesses want you to get in and out. And we kind of, you know, we've, we've kind of built our business, but trying to give people other options to stay and get to know us. So yeah, it's been, yeah, that's, it's definitely worked out well with people staying. I, I went to uh, Boulder last year for the first football game and everyone's like, we're going to legal Pete's. I was like, why are we going to legal Pete's? It's a burrito spot. And they're like, no, 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 it's a bar. We're going to go. Yeah. That bar Boulder game. And it was like, I mean, I felt like I was in college again. It was like mayhem. <laughs> well, you're probably doing the uh, Wisconsin lunch boxes. Yep, exactly. Which is crazy. Those came back on the hill. Like I drank those in my dorm at CU, and then yeah. I forgot about them. And all of a sudden, they're back at the bar. I was like, holy shit! Yeah. There was what exactly is a Wisconsin? Like remind me what a Wisconsin lunch box is. Again. So you take a shot. It's pretty. 
it's fun, but it's pretty weak. So a shot of amaretto and you, you fill a glass pint glass with half beer and half OJ and you drop it. It's a drop shot. And then you slam it. It's fun. Yeah. But I drank a thousand of those and when I was in college and then forgot about it. And then it randomly just came around again. I was like, Whoa. So that's a big deal up on the hill. And the margaritas, of course, you guys asked about the margaritas and those are huge. So is it Wisconsin, Wisconsin lunchbox? Is that like a, a listed item at the menu? Yeah. You get it? Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I'm going to have to next time I'm coming back. Actually, but is it actually, it's on our bar list. I think now, I mean, it was kind of a secret like for years. Like, I think we put it on, I think we listed certainly at the Hill. I'm not sure if we have it at our, at our other bars. And then I know that we've, 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 talked about doing other there's other lunchbox combinations but yeah it's it's pretty fun okay well yeah. and, and pete so this what you and andrew are talking about is kind of a perfect segue so it's like you're not a bar you're not a burrito place you're a, a combination of a bunch of different things so before we get too far into the interview for someone that's never been to illegal pete's from the founder's own words how would you describe illegal pete's to someone that's never been before so um so we call, I, you know, again, I, and I mentioned this, uh, mission, dis, mission style Mexican, right? And to me, um, that means both the mission district in Northern California, in the mission district in San Francisco, which is the big burrito where you go down the line. Right. And it's been there since the 60s, I guess. Um, and then also Mission Bay or Mission Beach in San Diego, which is where my, my mom's side of the family is all... Uh, Santa Barbara on down, but I would spend my um, summers, well, a couple weeks every summer in Mission Bay. And that's where the taquitos, um, uh, fish tacos, yep. quesadillas. Yep. So, so it's a mission style, both Northern and Southern California um, is the menu. And then we do a full bar and we're just, you know, we, we pride ourselves on the quality of the ingredients as well and the value. And then and then beyond, so that's the menu, but we also, um, we're really, we want to be a bar in that, you know, a bar that um, provides not only, you know, we did TVs and games and whatnot, but we do a lot of entertainment and we try to really engage the community that way. So there is a kind of a more of a, a typical bar feel like a neighborhood or a community bar, college bar feel maybe. But so you can still just in and out, get your burrito, get your meal. Um, but there's also, I mean, a lot of people, which is funny because people are like, oh, burrito, burrito shop, right? Like, you know, I'm going to go drink there. Like, but a lot of people have gotten to know us from having beers there, right? And then they're like, get to know our food. They know us as a bar first, which is really pretty interesting. And so, and, and to me, or to us, that's always just been the fun part, right? Is like, what more can we add, right? And, and a lot of like, everything from how we mix our ingredients to doing breakfast, to doing queso, to doing music, really, even though I was interested in that, but it's been an evolution of talking to our customers too, and, and having different people come in and say, Hey, have you thought about this? I'm like, man, yeah, that sounds fun. Sure. Let's do it. But, uh, so it's been, I mean, yeah, at the heart of it, you know, we're, we probably we're about, we're fast casuals and, but our liquor mix is about, 25 to 30% at our newer stores, like in Arizona and South Broadway, let's say, and um, Colfax, where we have bigger bar presence that can get into the 30, 35, 40% liquor, mm -hmm. which isn't, 
which is unheard of in typical fast casual. So we're proud of that. So it, it is, it's a weird hybrid of, of that, this fast casual piece that has a full bar um, piece. And we're able to, I think, do it well because we, it's authentic and we get behind the events that we do. We're not doing it just to, this will really sell well, you know, we, we're into it. Yeah. We, we hang out, we, you know, I've got a six and a four year old now, so I'm not drinking lunch boxes like I used to, but like we're all into <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, we think that we're really, we're, we think that we're really, we're a really good neighborhood immune, uh, amenity to any neighborhood in which we do business. Right. We think yeah. not just a place to go get, but a place to kind of anchor the community a little bit. And we've seen that pretty successfully. Like um, our, restaurant on 38th um, north side we're calling it and that's just been a huge success and i think it's success for the neighborhood yeah i mean yeah i would I definitely agree with that i mean it's like as you're talking like the boulder location is like a fun like exciting like more college feel and then like the one downtown was like a little bit more like business people happy hour the one in colfax is kind of like mass swing over there and just grab Mars to go all the time. So it's just kind of like every single one has like a different kind of feel, but it's the same like bar slash burrito. Rad. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. That's awesome. I mean, cause that's really what it, yeah, that's what we've intended to just kind of take the flavor of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Right. And, kind of, you know, in even like downtown, uh, excuse me, in uh, our first out of state store um, in Arizona and Tucson, the U of A, and actually last year, uh, 2019, sorry, last year is a blur, but, uh, 2019, we were the college bar of the year, which is crazy. Wow. Like that That's bar awesome. is, if you ever like go down to Tucson or go to their Instagram, illegal Pete's, or just go to Instagram and look at illegal Pete's Tucson. Like, it's like a fucking scene, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, awesome. it's crazy, man. It's, it's really awesome. But we were able to really do, I mean, immediately, I mean, that was a huge worry of mine. Like, how do you transfer 20 years of culture? How do you train that? How do you open it up and then three months, you know, be part of the community? But, you know, we, again, I think just listened and really just, you know, try to introduce ourselves really well to everyone and, and just listen and say yes to people that want to bring us things and do things at our restaurant. And we just became, a, it was an immediate hit. Like, so it's been really cool to see. Okay. Well, and I do ha- I have to ask, um, where where did illegal Pete's the name come from? Obviously, you being Pete, but the my illegal, dad, my illegal dad was, Pete. My dad was Pete too, and and really, okay. so my dad. I mentioned it earlier, but my dad was uh, terminally ill with cancer uh, when we opened the store in '95. He passed away in '97, August 24th of '97. So two years into Pete's, and he was diagnosed when I was a freshman at CU. Um, I think even my first month um, at CU. So he was terminally ill when he was diagnosed. Anyway he and I were really close and, and, uh, he was a really fun guy. Like in my, he was always kind of like, so the, the idea of illegal Pete's really was, is, um, kind of um, almost kind of like, uh, we were talking listeners about the Robin hood craziness going on right now, or, but just sticking the idea of like sticking it to the man and like, just kind of the underdog and like, questioning authority like really like it just that there was this kind of first of all it was a fun name that really didn't mean anything but it meant a lot to me it could be anything first of all because like even people like legal peace what the hell is that like it didn't say it didn't mean anything really so 
I thought it was a really fun name that we could do cool branding with that you weren't limited to anything. And, but more than anything, it was just, it, it was a kind of an attitude and an ethos that uh, resonated really well with me and, and who my dad was and just kind of how I see the world and just kind of how we run the business a little bit. Um, so, but I mean, there's like, it's, you know, it, so it's just a name, but it's, it's, it means a lot to me. Yeah. But yeah, it has nothing to do with illegal immigration or, or undocumented <laughs> immigration. That was, that came up in 2014 um, when we went to Fort Collins and it was really, I took a hard look at it. I mean, again, I, I take, yeah, I, I'm very serious about, you know, the impact we have with people and how we make people feel. Right. So like with people saying that to me, I was just like, you know, I, you know, I know, you know, there was no truth to it, but I like, man, there are people really hurt. And I went out and listened to people. And, but at the end of the day, I'm like, that's not what it is. And, you know, right. this yeah, is, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be different. It's like, why is illegal pizza cash only? Like what, what's going on back there? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, it's like, but oh. that's rad too. Like, yeah, just breaking the law, man. I, like again, pushing boundaries a little bit and just fucking off a little bit. Yeah. It was kind of part of the ethos, right? Yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess is that it sounds like, you know, you started in Boulder, you have a place in Fort Collins, you expanded in Tucson, Arizona. I guess do you try to kind of follow the college model just because they kind of typically absorb, I feel like kind of a you know, a different kind of burrito place that seems like feels a lot more local. Yeah, it's just and also, man, when I was, you know, I was 23, 24, I guess, when it opened. Um, and the college, it was just a really comfortable fit and we did really well. So to me, it made good sense to, if we're going to grow certainly to other towns, but out of state. And it was really nice. No offense, Midwest, but like when, when CU moved to the Pac-12, like and going west in those towns, like U of A, we're in Tempe as well, ASU. But like, can we grow to these college towns where we know, um, obviously all kids for the most part eat out and they want a good value, but they also want to have fun, man. So we have the bar piece and, you know, you can check out a game or pregame, postgame. We'll do, you know, bands. It just fits with the college vibe. And then we, it's been successful in that we, we have those, those people that grow up, right. They go become young professionals and families. And it's still, I feel like we've kind of grown up with them too in certain markets, like, you know, like Northside or even downtown, right? Like it's still kind of the college vibe, but a little bit more, you know, you know, folks have kind of grown up with us a little bit and we did the same with them, but it's kind of a no brainer. I, and also, man, this is going to sound kind of maybe, well, really basic, but like when I was younger, I'm like, man, where do we Pete's want to be? We want to be where places where there's like pretty girls walking around. Right. And those are college towns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not wrong. I mean, cause everybody wants to be in places where people are just where it's fun. Right. So yeah. college towns. Yeah, definitely. And I guess um, kind of talking about your locations, which restaurant are you, would you say you're the most proud of or which one's your favorite? You know, I will say that's a great question. When I read that too, I did my, I, read your question i know yeah but uh i was thinking about that probably it probably is the tucson location just because it was our first out of state and i was so nervous and it was such a 
great success. And it honestly changed the neighborhood. In, in the, it's called the main gate, right? So it's right off of, uh, we're block off of campus and then the old main, right? Like, so we, but since we opened there, these two businesses, two houses, we're an old, we bought an old house. We were trying to buy it for 12 years. Went in and talked to this guy who ran this company there, clothing company since 1959, more. But, uh, and since we opened the two businesses, two home, old homes that are both restaurant bars did complete remodels across the street. They did a full remodel, just kind of step up to raise the game. So it's been, it's transformed the whole area. It's rad. So I'm, I'm pretty, again, not like not to be cocky, but I'm proud of it, you know, and, and it's just, it, it's been, that was a really great, I'm proud of all of them though. Like, um, you know, even like South Broadway, was kind of nerve wracking. We didn't know how that would go. And it was an immediate hit. And that was the first restaurant where we, I had, it was an 18,000 square foot old car lot. And I'm like, man, what, what are we going to do with all this space? And we had that huge patio and I was like, holy, there's more seats outside than in. I was like, man, is that cocky? Like, I'm like, but we needed this, you know, we had all this space. So we extend, expanded the bar even more, right? Is like, is this going to work? And then that has kind of changed our thinking beyond. So that I'm proud of that because that kind of was a cool shift and it was cool for the neighborhood. And then Colfax, I don't know, each one I'm, I'm definitely proud of. I think, sorry, I'll just say Tucson because our first out of state and it was a, just a really good success. And I think something, you know, that we were able to really um, enhance that town or at least that college that part of the college town there in a positive way. So, yeah. That's really and, cool. and let me just say one other thing. It's been to December of 2015 and really the bulk of the staff is the same, which is crazy for restaurants. Yeah. So well, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like the two small ones pretty impressive just because like, I mean, there's not too many people that would be like, yeah, a burrito bar place is going to change your neighborhood, but you like completely remodeled. They're like, you made everybody up their, their scale and made that whole area fun. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. And, and again, you know, it is very humble meal and humble what we do, but you know, we, we really do take pride in how we set it up and, and welcome people in and just try to keep it really again, welcoming. So, yeah, I mean, it is very humble, but it, it is, it can be very powerful. What we, who we are. That's okay to say that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and so I want to hit on the music piece a little bit, Pete, because I know, you know, bar technically Chipotle has a bar in the back. Like they, they give margaritas, not the same, but really what makes in my mind, illegal Pete's completely different from even the nearest competition is the fact that you guys have live shows and with COVID and all that, uh, you know, I want to dive into, have you, do you guys have plans on live shows in the near future? If you do, are there shows that you're mostly excited about, you know, and we can stick to the Colorado ones cause this is a Denver podcast. Um, but is there any, are, are you guys opening shows back up? Um, if so, when, and do you have some shows that lined up that you're excited about? You know, we don't have anything lined up, but I, yeah. man, and, and again, like we're all hoping, right? Like the vaccines are out and I'm hoping by, right. They're saying by June or July, potentially everyone in Colorado could get a vaccine. I think this is what they're saying, hopefully. So 
I, you know, we anticipate by the time school is back in session, let's say August and football hopefully is coming back that we will start programming that. Um, it's worth saying too, we had a big, we we're doing a block party downtown for our 25th anniversary last summer, last fall, Labor Day weekend. We, but that obviously got canceled. We're trying to start programming that again, but that's not at Pete's, but we're going to do it kind of, I don't, I don't know if you guys were in town when they did Project Pabst on 26 and Larimer. It was sweet, man. Like Ice Cube was the last one, but Nathaniel, but anyway, so we're talking, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're trying to, uh, I'm starting to talk to like our buddy Scott with um, AG and, and some other folks about trying to start programming a block party down there. We did our 20th anniversary at Red Rocks. I just bring that up because um, it's a monumental year. Last year was such a big year and we were going to do like a really fun show to celebrate. It's not Pete's, but it potentially, I mean, it's not in our restaurants, but it, it is who we are and it potentially could be, sort of the kickoff back into music. I think that time of year, uh, early first week of September, week, week again of September, hopefully things will be back to normal and hopefully we can kind of kick off the notion of music and illegal pizza with this block party thing that hopefully we'll be able to go off. It's kind of an, ex, you know, we missed a year, like a shitty yeah. 25th anniversary all over again. But, but yeah, I think at that time, I would say probably, um, we'll probably start testing it out July, I think. Nice. And, and our, well, and that's the other thing too, actually, we've talked about this too. Sorry, but we haven't planned anything, but our patios afford us a lot of ways to get people outside safely and we can do music outside. Right. And the whole thinking, man, how crazy is it like that you can just, and again, public at large, I'm not saying drink and drive, but it's just like all of a sudden we're in a pandemic. Yeah. You can just grab drinks and just go drive around, like pick them up. Yeah. It's good <laughs> go. I'm not saying we do that, but like, the rules have changed. Like, yeah, you know, we've extended our patios on the sidewalks and like people are out, like, it's pretty cool, man. It's all of a sudden, like, we're like kind of European, right? Like, yeah. and, and hopefully we are responsible with that, but I just bring that up and then, yeah, we could maybe start rocking outside, you know, and start doing music outside, keep people mm -hmm. safer, but be on those patios because people want to be out, you know, the sun yeah. will be shining, man. It's been a rough year, right? Yeah. Anyway, I, be, I don't know if that answers your question, but we're really, <laughs> I did to get after it. Yeah, completely. And yeah, the September thing. I mean, that sounds awesome. Um, we we'll get back to that since. But I would imagine June, probably um, that first holiday weekend, June, July, August. We just haven't booked anything, but I'm hoping. I mean, if nothing else, we'll have folks out on the patios with music. Okay. So yeah, it's a good question, and thank you. That's. I need to get moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will be there on in September for your block party. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah, we missed the first one, so we'll definitely be at the second one. Man, it was super fun. Oof, man, so good. <laughs> to focus a little bit more uh, back on the food and drinks, I guess one random question that Matt and I really wanted to ask that we didn't put on this list is: on a given week, how many burritos or burrito bowls do you think you have? Shit. <laughs> That's a really so pre-COVID. Yeah, um, whatever, whichever one's at more. your at your burrito eating peak. Yeah, <laughs> times Um, so our average volume was three plus million, which is pretty sweet. Um, and we're probably you know like, um, 
and let's say 25% that of that is liquor in Colorado, then so 10 grand, uh, let's see, maybe, did you say daily? I was saying how many, my question was weekly. how many do you eat in a week? Like, oh, you me? Per, you personally? Oh, yeah. shit, I thought you were saying do we sell? Uh, no, oh, no, man, no, no, a lot. No, no, that's too hard of a question. Oh, God, no, a lot. <laughs> Well, I wondered, I was like, Pete, dang, how many burritos are you yeah. throwing out 500s? And I'm like, oh, my God. No, oh, <laughs> shit. I, oh, Pete, there's 10,000 burritos. No, 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 no. A ton. <laughs> I mean, I still eat it all the time. Like, all the time. But I may change, right? Like, I, I, fish tacos, I was hitting that up a lot. Um, last month, I've been doing a lot of just straight green chili. Um, what else? But a lot. I still eat it all the time. Yeah. Like. That's awesome. Five days a week. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, okay. There you go. How do you get your diet? <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm fat too. So I mean, <laughs> no, I'm, like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sounds like <laughs> I'm just but but I mean truly though, like it is, you know, and we aren't perfect all the time, but it's really high quality. You know, we've been doing we're not as good at talking about it as we should be, but like all natural, we've been doing Nyman Ranch forever. But before that, we were in two thousand one, uh was it called premium gold Angus? I mean, we, we've always tried to look for the best ingredients. We've not been great at marketing that and telling people, but we just believe in it. So um, the foods, you know, it's all scratch, right? So it's made fresh and, and uh, you know, we, you know, we just pay a lot of care. We pay a lot of attention to quality and, but we're not always perfect. Again, you know, we'll, we'll screw it up, but for the most part, you know, it, it's, it's, it's well, um, well done and, and just yeah. easy to eat. It's not, you know, we're again, I just don't, maybe I'm, I don't know enough to like add a bunch of ran, random shit that may make it cheaper for us. I just don't like, we never added anything just cause I'm not maybe sophisticated enough, like about that just cause, yeah. but it's all just real, you know? Um, yeah. so I eat it a bunch and I don't get sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more that you just got the perfect mix right now. That's why you don't need any changes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but I will say, man, in the last, you know, we're always looking to get better. We, we, in the last two years, we switched our, um, we upgraded our spice to a really good, mo mostly around like that's eh, probably two and a half years, mostly around food safety and knowing where each spice comes from, which is weird, but like having it back to like the fields or the areas and, but in doing so around that food safety around Chipotle and God, I guess it's been years ago. But I was like, man, we really, if someone that big can fuck up that hard, we need to get our shit together. So we're, we really looked at all of our ingredients and, and coming from really uh, dependable sources. But in doing that work, we, it, things got spicier, which was kind of cool actually is like, so our food now has a higher spice profile than it had five years ago, which is kind of cool too. So we're keep kind of pushing it a little bit. Yeah. Pushing, pushing the envelope. The illegal yeah. <laughs> um, so leading more towards, I mean, Matt and I, I think, not to say we're not burrito fans, but I would say our favorite thing at your restaurant is the margarita. Um, because it's delicious. It's why it's delicious. It's strong. And it's like, it's cheap. I mean, it's amazing. Um, Three and a half shots. Yeah. <laughs> so a, lot of you, a couple of different questions uh, kind of run off of, I guess, when you originally made illegal pizza up in Boulder, was like your plan to do margaritas and plan to like have strong competitive margaritas. Well, so the, the first store we didn't, it's, 
was too small to do a bar, but I, I'd said on the Pearl Street Mall, we, we were able to do a bar and the margarita recipe you're talking about, we didn't have at the time that took us, I mean, we probably perfected it, let's say, or the, the recipe that we all know and love now is maybe 10 to 15 years old. We just kept tweaking it, but really it's, just, it's super simple. And we, I don't know if you guys know, but on uh, Cinco de Mayo last year, uh, we were shut down, just whatever. I thought we would all flatten the curve but anyway we released our recipe yeah. oh. which was kind of cool it's like Andrew, I told like you guys that. like because people I like, know that we, we we spend or we sell more margs than soft drinks I, I read that on yours someone said it's 20 percent more just in general but we we certainly sell more margs than soft drinks in our restaurant and it's a, awesome. it's a big seller for us but we're we felt like it'd be kind of cool just to release that because yeah. it's really simple, man. I mean, that is a really perfect um, example of kind of what I'm talking about. Just simple. Like, it is what it is, man. It's fresh juices, sugar. Like, I mean, it's just simple. Like, there's no bullshit in it. And it's great, right? And then, like, you know, we use really good booze, like Salsa Silver bottle, you know, which it's not the highest, but it's good, man. And so the value proposition, and it is, again – strong three and a half shots of booze in there it's a strong margarita for what is it now five bucks or 550 on i mean i think it's six yeah, I think it's six six yeah sorry guys but no happy hour but but still that's, that's, what I was gonna a, ask. that's a screaming deal man yeah no for sure is i guess it's happy hour happy hour isn't going anymore for no it's we just didn't know really what how to it, times are weird yeah, yeah no completely. So we're kind of like but we will i guarantee it'll be reintroduced um, when things become a little bit more normal, more normal, but you know, we don't, and again, our hours are so compressed right now. Cause we used to be open and, you know, breakfast and we do the late nights on the weekends and we're just so compressed. Um, yeah. That is challenging. Yeah. Okay. But I think we, we, we still think it's a really good value, but. Well, Pete, I feel, I feel like we have to tell you this and I, you, you probably haven't listened to our last episode, but the reason we, I had four margaritas at last Friday. That was my last Friday was at Illegal Pete's. Four margaritas and a burrito, queso, guac. I couldn't look anyone in the eye after I, I finished that meal. Um, nice. But I feel like we have to tell you this. Um, we do – you are – what did we try last week? And I think you were, if not the top, you were the, in the top two highest rated uh, restaurants that we've done on the show in the past four or five months. And it's purely because, and I want to hammer this because you've mentioned it a couple of times, the value piece. I was telling Sweatnum when we were prepping for this episode that the margaritas that I had at, at, at Legal Pete's at a restaurant down the street in Colfax was about a quarter as strong and two and a half times the price. And so for us, what our wow. rating, what we were saying was our rating, it was a $14 margarita and it was, and it was to go. And it was nothing. It was it was not even close. And so I, I just felt like I had th this topic had to come up because it was like the food and the drinks are amazing, but when you add that value co component to it, I mean, it's there. I can't think of anything that comes close on the margarita scale. Uh, I so I wanted to give that that plug because it's it's the no bullshit truth. Because if it wasn't, I would have had four margaritas. If the margaritas were crappy, I wouldn't have had four of them. If they're expensive, I wouldn't have four of them. Well, so. yeah, because because thank you, and I totally appreciate that. But like that margarita you're talking about, that's fourteen bucks somewhere. 
is probably made with shitty sour mix that gives you a fucking stomach, excuse my language, a yep. stomach ache. Like, yep. ours, you know, if you drink too much liquor, you can get a stomach ache. Right. But our, yeah. our mix isn't going to give you a stomach ache. Yeah. But um, it's also, it's fun, the whole party mark thing we've been doing. Because I, when I was a kid or at CU, we used to drink uh, not 40s, but 32 ounce beers. Oh, yeah. Port, and you would say, court is in session and you would like <laughs> and so we're able to like i'm like guys we need to get this i've been talking about it for years but finally we're sending out courts of margarita and i want everybody to court is in session the party marks are great if you drink margaritas, yeah right you just court size. quarters in session oh wow i didn't realize you could buy how do you yeah. the order on that is it, do you want huh what's the order there do you just order a quart of margarita party mark Party mark. A party mark. Wow, Matt. Like 20 bucks or something, week. but it's like four drinks. I mean, 22, but it's four solid mark. I mean, that's like almost a, a bottle of booze in there. That's Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got to get that next shots. weekend. All right. I, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> and then you get to say quarters in session. You just get to sit back and drink a quart. I love yeah. it. That's you awesome. Idea. I'm stealing that. Miller, the Miller, uh, just the Miller High Life, they sell them in 32s. Champagne yeah. of beers. Yeah, oh, super yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. sit Champ- around and just quarters in session. It's super fun. That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Champagne of the streets. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's so good. <laughs> All right, Pete. Well, I think, you know, we, we want to finish up the episode kind of the reason like we usually always finish these interviews is the reason we've started doing these interviews and podcasts is really to help support local businesses, spread awareness of what cool places are out there in Denver. So the, I want to end this episode with maybe a 30 second spiel from you, just about any topic you want, anything you want people to know, anything you want, any upcoming thing you're excited about that you have the next 30 seconds to do whatever you want or say whatever you want um, in the floor, floor is yours. <laughs> Here's what I would say. I would say, First of all, I would just like to thank everybody for their patience and their continued business for us. We have, it's not been easy and we have, it's been challenging just trying to figure out our service model and everything. So um, thank you, Denver, Colorado, for sticking with us through that because it's not been easy. And uh, we're just really, really excited to take the lessons that we've learned um, from that's kind of been forced on everybody that we've all had to learn together. Um, digital liquor to go and just try to get better right and take those great lessons when we reopen and we can open up the patios and start doing music again but just continue to try to just uh you know really take those lessons we've learned and just continue to try to get better but really um you know i think that that's the biggest thing is 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 that we or for me because i i felt it's been really just hard just navigating, not only just surviving a business, but trying to keep people safe and healthy. And I, I've made some, some decisions that maybe um, were just tricky, probably for our customers really in general. And I just say, thanks for the patience, but it will have paid off. Right. And I think uh, we're going to have a lot of fun in three, four months and we're going to be a better business for it. And we're going to provide, you know, a really, a continued, I think probably a better better product and better service and more fun, you know, moving forward. So I, I, God, I don't even know. That was a pretty lame pitch, but 
it's more just saying thank you because it's been challenging and it's been really mentally challenging and and um and i'm just uh, really appreciative that the community has continued to support us in a really good way and and i just want to pay everyone back by just having a freaking blast when we're all through this and making pete's you know just leaning in on that community involvement and just what can we do for you really i mean thank you for supporting us so i don't know all right well pete that was great all right well pete thank you so much for joining us today it's been awesome so good having you on the show and uh trust me you'll be you'll be probably seeing us at a location or two with a party mark in hand or in some capacity so pete thanks so much for joining us we appreciate the time of course thank you guys yeah it's uh it's been really fun talking to y'all all righty everyone pete turner